This is The Beige and the Bolt, and today we are watching Phantasms. I'm Ben Velding, and I watched this episode when it originally aired. And three, two, one, engage. So yeah, uh, we start off with our fisheye lens. We haven't had that a lot since it's been like since the original series that we went full fisheye lens on a scene. Which is good. I don't know if it would have been more effective to start this off a little more normally and then watch it spiral out of control. You're like, why is Jordy just chilling in this corridor while Data's talking to him and stuff? That seems unusual. You know, it does seem really mundane. And we kind of go for the mundanity at first. And then we subvert that. Well, and we subvert it pretty quickly. I feel like we could have subverted it later where it gets weirder and weirder. This is an episode that does not seem to think very much of the average viewer and i am a notorious defender of notorious i have a, a reputation people just hate how much i defend star trek trying to talk to the the common viewer without a lot of elevated language or complexity or things like that and it's good for star trek to do that um i think maybe it goes a little too far here oh you're trying buddy you're trying to pantomime that hammer you went to acting class for this and uh it really didn't turn out. Not just in terms of, you know, small roles. There are no small roles. But uh, in terms of how you did not sell that. Oh, no. Data stunt double. But, yeah, they're taking him apart. And obviously the, the retro miners being in the corridor of the Enterprise D was was the dead giveaway. Something was weird here. If you're not reading the, the, the meta, the, the camera and everything. But... Uh, so then Data wakes up from Nightmare. We're like, oh, it was just a dream. That cuts against what usually consists of a tight uh, teaser that really gets us into it. Like, it's a dream is the least cliffhangery. Right? It's the least hook of all the hooks you could have given us there. It's like, oh, no. I mean, you, you can't go to commercial with Data getting mugged by miners in the corridor of the Enterprise D. I get that. I'm just saying that. Um, wow, there's some there's some stuff on top of my drink. There's no alcohol in it now, so uh, I don't feel like it's sanitary. I had to wash this glass. Yeah, right. So, uh, so we begin like with the, it's another high concept season seven episode, and I think we hit that right out of the gate, and that's really compelling. People remember this episode. Nobody remembers Interface. People barely remember Gambit. They're like, Picard's on the ship, and Riker's on the ship too, but they're after something. And they have to pretend like they're not. People get it confused with, um... Shit, there's another episode that we get it confused with, which is a little better. Uh, but maybe The Chase? So, anyway. Like, those are simply not remarkable episodes. There's not a lot to really hook you in to remember them with. You know, in season one, a dude's head exploded. And in season seven, you definitely remember the one where Deanna gets cut up and where Dr. Crusher is sucking things out of Commander Riker's head. This is an episode that makes an impression. There are almost no production notes on this other than continuity notes. Uh, so really, it is. <laughs> um, it feels like it's, it's a series that's in its groove making another episode. And what's really, what really hits me in this watch through more than any other is all of the little, the little personal touches that happen here. All of the little character beats that I just don't think 
would have happened in the first season. Look, Sonia Gomez was in season two. You know, she was a, a new engineer, um, intended love interest for Jordy. Uh, lots of character, interesting person. She's in two episodes and then never again. Fascinating character. And now we have Picard and a new new incident in engineering. We're going to see her. And Picard's like, oh, I just don't do the social thing. And it feels, it feels organic to the first two seasons. Um, and it feels really human and it feels like a bunch of interconnectedness right it feels like it feels like there's a a larger personal uni- universe here I, I talk about people and their careers and like how they connect with other people and how you need to network and advance and how the fact that these seven people have been locked in stasis on the ship for seven years it's pretty impressive even even for the 90s in terms of careers and and assignments and things like that so we get that and picard has an invitation to an admiral's ball so you're like, wow, that's it's kind of big. It looks like they're kind of nudging you a little bit, Johnny, uh, to go that direction. So they don't show it a lot here, but there's actually they have a new physical prop on the warp core. It's kind of green, and the front end isn't the old uh, little disc with the handle in the middle of it. It's kind of a flat green digital looking thing. So, and now here's Data talking about his nightmares. I, I like this scene a little more in retrospect. But Data's trying to sort all that stuff out. And Jordy's trying to do what he can. He's trying to get a whole new warp core installed. Imagine if you dropped a whole new engine into your car. Like, dude, what the heck? That'd be a big freaking deal. So I'm going to pick a few nits about that. And he has this new ensign who's really interested in him inappropriately. Uh, I think you can all see her uniform's a little newer than his because those colors aren't the same. There's a little bit lighter. She's nice. And Jordy's like, uh, to his defense, he does not date her. Although I feel like it's less Jordy learning about fraternization, how he's a division head and shouldn't go off dating anyone who's of a lower rank. But I feel like it's less that and more Jordy going, eh, she's not my tech. Like, what the hell do you want, Jordy? What do you want, man? What do you need in women? Unavailability? Because that seems to be like your one thing. Oh, well. And uh, Data makes a... Uh, we, we've been talking about how much Data has developed over these past couple seasons. And how much you see that in Season 7. And Data's like, hey man, let me intercede on your behalf. I know how this is done. That's not a bad idea. He, Jordy just doesn't trust Data to handle it with all the finesse. But he's totally right to think that. So now we're back into the personal stuff. And the warp core. So you're just going to drop it and go to immediately warp? I feel like there's a lot of preliminaries that have to be done here. You know, batteries to power, turbines to speed, nuclear power, nuclear pile online. Like, I feel like there are steps to this. Um, and you got to, got to like check each one. They go doop, doop, doop. Like, oh, I went to this step. I feel like you should never... Ah, there it is. You can kind of see the front. It has like a little green bit on it. I feel like you should never bring your antimatter-powered warp core that, you know, warps the fabric of space online. And then it goes, donk. I feel like it should never be the point where it goes, donk, when you try that. You know? Uh, If something's going to go wrong, you want to be sure nothing's going to go wrong with the space warping or the antimatter. But whatever, nothing does go wrong with any of those things. So we assume Jordy did all that. 
this is all just, it just fails at the most dramatic moment. George's like, look, man, I did 99 million checks on every system, and it's just not working. Uh, I, I kind of resent that we don't meet halfway here on this episode's mystery. Jody's not like, it's the power flow, man. Power flow is just not right. What if we run power flow through it? Very effective visual, though. All those lights in the Enterprise getting shut off. Ah, uh, yeah. And it's very effective, too. We don't, it's surprising that we haven't used this before. You know, we've had lights flicker before when we've been hit. And we have had the Enterprise power down on one or two occasions. Disaster. It got hit by a quantum filament, I think. Knocked everything offline. In uh, Starship Mine, uh, when the Starship is powered down and it's getting the Baryon swept, and Picard's going all diehard on it. It's powered down then in a space dock. So it's, it's rarely used, but effectively used here. Brent Spiner says this cat's the worst actor he ever worked with. And I know we are watching one take out of maybe 20, but that cat is nailing it. This cat's doing an amazing... Now, again, they could have just drugged it. Like, that would um, that would also do for acting in the scene. <laughs> and they may not have drugged it. It might just be blitzed on catnip. You know, whatever. So, so Jordy, despite the fact he seems distracted and kind of half interested in what Data's doing and dealing with the warp core and dealing with an ensign who has a crush on him, Jordy takes time out of his day to go, Hey, Counselor Troy, my good friend Data is having some sleep problems. Could you talk to him? You know, being a friend isn't about going through, like, high-intensity stuff together and, you know, suffering and things like that. Like, that, that can definitely bring people together and give you the kind of confidence that will weather the doldrums and the little idiosyncrasies that come up between people. But what makes a friendship last is your ability to call Counselor Goddamn Troy and say, Hey, um, could you help my friend out? We're trying to help out. So... Um, and here we're kind of breaking down Data's thing, which is like, hey, maybe, maybe it is a software issue, Data. Maybe it's not hardware. Um, and what's weird is that underlying all of this is that Data is deeply emotionally disturbed by his, uh, by his dream. Like, that's crazy. And we're not even talking about it. So, anyway, in the background, that's from the episode where he was dating Jenna DeSora in theory. Um... And I believe to his, to the left of him is uh, a Sherlock Holmes outfit. Yeah, that, that, that's it. The little robe and things on the left there. Um, that he uses when we play Sherlock Holmes in the holiday. Can you see the little hat? So, nice little bits of continuity here. Season 7 kind of veers into dealing with human things. Um, ah, Brent Spiner. <laughs> so... You know, how all these people work together. Cat, amazing. They might have been luring the cat back into the frame there just for the tail. But that seems like it'd be a hard shot to pull off. To to get under the bed, to force it off the bed, then to have it come back around. Uh, that has to be a happy accident. So, yeah, now we're in our second day to dream. Which is interesting. Because we kind of know what this transition is. We're prepared for it to be a dream, which... It's cool. I mean, this is our one episode dealing with the fact that Data dreams. They do something fascinating with it. Compelling. Memorable. I appreciate season seven whenever it it swings for the fences, you know? And that is definitely what it's doing here. Because it is a weird episode, and it's good. I don't, 
I don't know that we really learn anything from it, but it's a fascinating watch. It keeps you entertained for 45 minutes. And when we talk bare minimums, we talk bare minimums. Keeping you entertained for the runtime is is that. Um, that's what's happening here. You never know what's going to happen next, which seems weird. Like, how can you be intrigued by this? Because you realize there are no rules. It's a dream. Whatever you can imagine can happen. Ah, it's so weird. I have no idea how they made this prop. I imagine it can't be that hard. Run a tube over Jonathan Frakes' ear. Bing, bang, boom. Strawberry syrup. Little um, flesh-colored flesh for it. To stick it to his head. And there you go. The miners. The workers. How do they, how do they identify themselves? Your enemy is how they identify themselves. Right or wrong. It is weird. It is dreamlike. It's, uh, I think maybe that's, you know, that it's willing to have some outlandish imagery. You're willing to have a Troy cake that you then cut into. It's very vivid. I'm glad they made this episode. It is so weird. The weirdness, I think, is its chief merit. And our, our intrigue deepens a little bit here with Data now oversleeping. But hey, I would bring Worf. Whenever Data's not functioning, you want Worf there. Will Worf stop Data? No. Provably, he, he has not and he cannot. Absolutely nothing has changed since all of those times he failed to stop Data. And or Lore, who is identical to Data, but a dick. But at the same time... Worf will die and buy you time to run away. And Worf is cool with that. He gets to go to the Cleon Heaven if that happens. He is like a dwarf. You're going to have to excuse me. I have been rereading the archives of the Order of the Stick webcomic. And I'll be honest with you. Wow, just really good. Really good. Sometimes a little too much text, you know, but it's, it's, it's essential. They lampshade it. It's fine. Jordy's bearing up well under the stress here. He has a warp drive that will not function and an android that can murder everyone who is malfunctioning. So, uh... He's on, dude, but he does, does not show that at all. It'd be fascinating. I Gepwin talked last time about, you know, how more modern television shows make these things into big story arcs and they sometimes puff them up a little bit, put some filler in there. It would be interesting to watch you know, kind of a Jordy, how Jordy deals with stress and maybe gets better dealing with stress storyline. He's got a lot uh, going on here. He's bearing up really well. And it would be worth it. You know, I've been a big proponent of Jordy having more storylines and picking up more of the stuff that this gets implicitly handed to Picard in this season. You know, seasons before, but especially this season, it seems apropos. And, uh, you know, kind of seeing a storyline where he is dealing with these things. Where it's like, ah, this, this woman wants an inappropriate relationship with me. And Data might kill everybody. And I'm, I'm kind of part of Data's maintenance team. And uh, the warp drive just isn't freaking working for no good reason. None of it makes any sense. You know, this, this intractable IT problem, basically. So, well, how does he deal with that? How does he develop as an officer? And that, that's kind of what I've wanted from Jordy because you know he was very low ranked in the first season 
and then he becomes lieutenant. He gets put in charge of engineering for reasons, and then I mean, and when I say for reasons, I mean like he was he was main cast, and they needed an engineer. It was him or Worf, and they had both demonstrated equal engineering capability up to that point in the series. But Jordy got it, and that's that's fine. So, uh, and then he eventually becomes lieutenant commander in season three. So, like we never cover what it's like for him to go from un unassigned crewman like crewman at large to senior officer like we never really talk about that except in terms of him doing things as a division head which are wildly inappropriate and it's like well i mean he's good at his job but his professional end i, I want to see developed more i want to see that arc and if we'd kind of staggered this over an episode or two you could have fit that geordie arc in there it would have been fascinating uh, Freud's a hack. No one should listen to Freud. And I'm glad this episode is fairly pro-hack in terms of how it interprets Freud. That he's important as a symbol of psychology more than um, a psychologist. I feel like we're just letting an actor do a, a Sigmund Freud impression. Uh, that That's kind of fun. It's fun. It reminds me of the Mark Twain stuff. It reminds me of the uh, Albert Einstein stuff from the closer of season six, Descent, where Data's playing poker with Isaac Newton and Einstein and Stephen Hawking, played by Stephen Hawking. So, and Freud is, Freud's inadequate to most human psychological needs, but he is utterly inadequate for Data's needs. So, it's like, look, man, can you respect your theories based on a complete absence of human basic impulses? Like, he's an artificial person. He has no inherent desires. I mean, he does, but that's, uh, that's a great question to ask. So, uh, can we just turn Freud off? Can we just turn him off now? I mean, if it's possible to turn off Freud, am I right? Uh, uh, uh. Did Freud look like this? The, I don't want to insult this guy, but... Freud, I, I see in pictures, looks a little thinner than that. But right, I'm not going to fat shame Freud. I have many other things to shame Freud about. So. I do get that if they're going to unload the holodeck set, they might as well go whole hog with it. So, use it twice in the episode. Admiral Nakamura, we have met before. I believe he was in season two's Measure of a Man. So, uh, he kind of met... Uh, Captain Picard at the Starbase, introduced him to Bruce Maddox. Um, and then we were in a little lounge and Picard met uh, the Captain Lavoie. And then Admiral Degura kind of ooh, 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 out of there. But um, here he is back. Just give us a little continuity. You know, it's a small Starfleet after all. So. For a little while. Picard's like, I'm not, I'm not trying to get out of this. It's a funny little plot um, that adds some very faux stakes for us. Um, our ship's not about to blow up. We don't need to go to the neutral zone. Everybody just thinks that Picard is... <laughs> that Picard is just uh, trying to get out of doing a social event. Which, again, maybe don't write into your giant sci-fi show um, the merits of avoiding social occasions. Like, sometimes you gotta do it, man. And it's not the worst thing ever. Like, there are good parts about socializing. You can network and... I love that. I love that fake out. The camera moves in the traditional get out of your way and then boom, nothing happens. Love it. You know, it isn't, it isn't that you have to do these events. Clearly you do. But that, you know, 
if you have to, man, try to find the good in it. Enjoy it. There have to, there have to be some admirals that are nice. You, there have to be some stories you can hear and enjoy. You can tell your own stories. You could practice telling a story before it comes to your mind. Figure that shit out. Get your brain around that. Know a story that's fun to tell. Practice it. Learn to tell it. And then, of course, people have heard it multiple times. You don't know who, so you're telling it again. And then it's boring. And then you become assimilated. You become assimilated into the boring Admiral Collective. But, you know, is that the worst thing ever? So I don't think I don't think we tie this plot up either. I think she just... I don't know what the reverse of copping a feel is, but I feel like she reverse cops a feel on Jordy. And then she feels a cop on Jordy? That doesn't seem right. Considering the fact that we do feel things on people later on this episode. So... Is that the same knife? It's a similar knife, I guess. I'm going to check when he has the vision. He's about to have a vision. So. It's strange credibility that this would be an actual engineering device, but I'll accept that. Heck of an effect, by the way. Really uncomfortable. Really unpleasant. It's a kind of an unsettling episode. Even when you know things are dreams... Oh, that was a really good picture of the warp core back there. Um, even when you know things are dreaming, there's still tension. There's still tension back there. Because um, suddenly he's walking around the real world. Like the, the line between dreams and what's really happening are getting thinner. And that's bad. You know that's bad. If you do things while you think you're dreaming, that, that could hurt someone. Or you. Freud here telling people to kill them all. Again, you should not listen to Freud for advice. Just don't listen to the guy. So, Data's asked this before. Do you know what it's like to go crazy? I forgot what context he was asking that in. It could be the one where he downloaded himself to the, the holodeck by accident. Fistful of Data's. Could be when he was feeling emotions. Could be what else? What other episode was it where he might have been doing that? I don't know, but it was scary. So um he's finally talking to Counselor Troy. And she's like, you know, let's actually have therapy. She's actually gonna give therapy to an android. And you know what? You know what the difference between Counselor Troy and Freud is? One, she's a better psychologist than him. Two, when she's like, oh yeah, I'm going to write a paper about this. She says that with her inside voice. That shows respect for your patients. When you're like, wow, this is going to get published. I'm going to be the first person to counsel a robot. Amazing. I'll be like the counselor on the Enterprise B. I'm the first counselor who gets to counsel all the goddamn alcoholics on the Enterprise. Yeah. Well, I guess, yeah, <laughs> I guess maybe the Saurian Brandy on the original Enterprise got that distinction, but it didn't publish a paper over it. Or maybe it did. <laughs> These crazy space people, authored by Saurian Brandy, PhD. But yeah, it's basically just saying, hey, look, it's, it's a problem. Maybe it's in how you think. Maybe you've developed that much as a person. So we'll talk about it. You stop dreaming, buddy, because obviously that shit's out of hand. And then, um, 
you know, we'll just kind of reflect on it. Kind of poke around your brain. See what's in there. See if you do have an unconscious, man. See if there's things about yourself that you don't realize. And then she hits him with the stunner, man. Do, don't, yeah, don't, don't see, don't see Sigmund Freud in the holodeck over the literal counselor who's your best friend in a world with free health care. Like, come on. It's a brand new warp drive, Admiral. Like, something went wrong with the installation of a new part. It might be defective. Do you have the warranty, Admiral? Admiral, do you have the warranty? Because we don't have it, okay? It's just bad when we got it. Fuck. Just let us go. Like, just just don't, don't hold Picard's feet to the fire. Things go wrong in space. Mechanical failure is the least of things that could have kept Picard away from this shit. You know he talks to Q, right? You know he knows Q. Q knows him and fucks with him personally. Like, dude, you're lucky this is just a warp drive that's broke, Dick. Just let it go, man. So. I don't know. Like, I, I get that Picard's interested in making this work, but on the other hand, like, Dude, why is it not working? Like, wh- This is uh, an instance of Picard micromanaging. And I think that for the new warp drive doesn't work. I don't know if micromanaging is appropriate or inappropriate. I feel like Data could maybe, just maybe, keep him in the loop and just be like, oh, here's what we're doing. Here's what's happening. This is our pathway. This is our progress. Okay. <laughs> we're making progress. Um, we know it's urgent. Um, so I'm going to have instant schmuckatelli here. He's not even an engineer. He has a red shirt. Okay. He's going to hang out by me and he's going to give you updates. That's going to be part of his engineering training deal. Just, just, just so you know that we're taking this seriously. We're doing everything we can. There's no point at which we're just waiting on things to figure out. <laughs> Sorry. They brought this actress in for one, one day. And it's like, all right, so you're going to go up to Captain Picard and say these lines, and you and Patrick Stewart are going to walk behind a half wall like you're going somewhere. And just bam, dead end. So now data's gone. And we delve into, like, real horror stuff here. This is interesting. It's been unsettling so far. Um, as a kid, I think I was kind of affected by the, the cake made out of Troy scene. Um, it helped me understand how they did the uh, Day of the Dead scene where they rip out the guy's guts the captain Rhodes, i think it was in day of the dead when all, at the end whenever he gets cornered by zombies and they rip out his guts and he's saying choke on it it's like oh that's how they did it so i i'd actually seen a documentary about that movie but i had not seen the movie itself for good reason that would have fucked me up as a kid i mean the original dawn of the dead might not have because it was fairly laid back but um definitely Definitely Day of the Dead would have got me. So terroristic. Also, why do the doors not work? The doors are sentient, man. They're trying to protect you. The door's like, ah, this is a bad scene. It's, it's too bad. Let's just close the door. He's like, no, I gotta do violence. Yeah, that's messed up. This sticks with you. Like, this is the scene that people remember from this episode most of all. You were to train an AI to find the most, you know emotionally expressive scene of this episode if you were to train it you would use this episode and you would use that scene because that's shit that people remember that uh left a mark on me not as much as it left on troy clearly 
But uh, yeah. Again, very lucky Data's not too committed to this shtick. I guess he's technically sleepwalking. And they reversed it. All the, the engine lights are out, but the people lights are on. Again, shows a lot. <laughs> You're like, wow, that's a lot of security for Data, but that's not a lot of security considering. And actually, the truth is, that is all the security that's just willing to die that day. Jenkins, divorce. Uh, Patty Hearst over there. She, uh, she's just taking a break from her meds and she's like, you know what? I'm kind of cool with done. I just want to make sure that I'm on the right meds and that it's helping me. But as of this moment, if he goes crazy and tries to kill us all, I'm cool with being first. And Worf was like, I'm a Cleon. Again, if I die this way, I go to Cleon heaven. It's all cool. Complete volunteer force of <laughs> security officers willing to slow data down while the captain runs away. I feel like they could have done this under glass, but at the same time, uh, you know, I get that they're being cool with Data. They realize he's, there's something wrong with him, but he's fine now. He could go wrong at any time, but they could stop him last time, so maybe it's fine. So, hey, Dr. Crusher's in this episode. She's not just sipping stuff out of Riker's head. So, good. Now, now we get our next bit in the mystery, which is what really gets me. Because we learned that this ties into the engine thing. So, the deal is that Jordy's made no progress on his end. We don't, we don't have a lot of questions that are then explained by the ending, right? We, ha we, we have questions about data. Data's like, why this? Why that? Why these dreams? Why so bad? Et cetera, et cetera. That's great. That part of the mystery kind of goes together logically when you learn it at the end and how the things affect data move the mystery forward and how we investigate moves things forward. Um, but like the Jordy part of it doesn't like, we don't, Oh, the two things are connected. No, we just have a problem with the new warp core. Nothing happens. Nothing happens. Nothing happens. Nothing happens. And then bam, like the data, instead of two halves coming together to make a circle, it is like 100% data's, Data's arc making 369 degrees of that turn to meet the the engine arc. And it's it's kind of unsatisfying in that respect. It's because it's all data. So, and this is really great. It's really nice of Data to think about this. He doesn't want to hurt his cat if this happens again. Um, and Worf is from Earth. They have cats on Earth. They have cats in Russia. I've seen a cat called a babushka. They have to have cats in Russia. Maybe they didn't survive World War III. This cat is incredibly chill. I cannot think of another cat that would like chill like this for this long. Like, dude, this cat is fucking laid back. I cannot hold a cat with support for this long without it freaking out. Michael Dorn putting himself in real, real physical danger here. I don't know if that cat's declawed or not, but uh, he's he is sticking it out. Um, yeah, then we get a little sneeze at the end that shows he's, that shows he's allergic. Um, I didn't realize this was the you must tell him he is a pretty cat scene. Uh, it's a good one, and it's a nice little breakup of what we've been building in this episode. Um, not not perhaps super effectively in terms of tension and danger. 
And we go, well, this is data. Like, this is data. He cares about things and about people and about his cat. Like, yeah, he's murdering people. How do we square this circle? I think it's a little, I think it's a little extra. I don't think it's exactly necessary. Like, we see data being perfectly calm about these things, being unsettled by his own actions and the things that he's seen. It's a fun scene. We could have dedicated some of that time to Jordy kind of closing his circle on that, but whatever. So... I think this is our first scene of the interphasic scanners, which we'll use. They can detect things the tricorders can't scan. I don't, I don't carry a grudge here. I think it's kind of like a, you know, made up fakey thing. If this can emit waves and get things back from a tricorder, should be able to do the same. But it's very effective for communicating these things to the audience. Where we're like, oh, we can see, we can see this happening. So I think it's great. I think it's fine. You know, just represents some other specific technology to find these things. So this is what I don't like, though, about this mystery. Is that if this was the original series, okay? Or maybe even earlier TNG. Crusher's like, yeah, our bodies are going to lose cellular cohesion. I demand an ensign be turned to soup. I demand ensign new girl go, oh, Jordy, I don't feel good. She goes, but, and sploosh. Not like in a, like... Where she falls in the ground and then becomes a liquid, okay? Not like sploosh, sploosh, which is clearly what she already has going on for Jordy. I'm saying is that I demand uh, somebody be fucking liquefied, okay? I don't care how you do it. I don't care how you do the effects. If the stakes are the bugs are going to liquefy us, I want to see something liquefied. It could be spot. It could be... a. Uh, Literal soup. You could make the soup extra soupy. You'd be like, weren't there supposed to be carrots in this? And it's just goo now. I if I want to see people being liquefied, okay? Those are our stakes. I want to see the stakes enacted. All right, give me a diagram. Give me a diagram of like a, a dissolve, of a, a, a dissolve screen transition on Jordy's face or something. I don't know. But like, this is a simulation of what that would be like. Like, oh gosh, that looks bad. They're like, no, there's invisible guys. We have one graphic. We're going to paste on everybody. And, you know, we're going to tell all the actors to hold still so we can properly superimpose it onto them with the special effects. But for one scene, it's going to be the same graphic. No. Come on, man. Your subsequent antisocial behavior? Data. (laughs) You're underselling that a little bit. You stabbed a crew member. So, like... What? I, I, it's a little let down. You know, like our stakes, like it's like, like Captain Hook on a satisfying holiday. I don't hear a ticking clock in this episode. It, it's just things are just happening in sequence. And you know what? If, if we start turning the liquid, maybe that's bad. If Data keeps having dreams, we'll just put him in the, the, the brig. If the warp core doesn't start, we'll get a tow truck. It's fine. Like, whatever, man. And not every episode needs to have like a big, you know, set of stakes looming over us. We want to solve all these problems. We want the Enterprise to go again. We want Data to not stab people, you know? We are pretty ambivalent about Picard getting to that ball. But uh, at the same time, it's just... I guess we don't want people to be soup. But I I don't feel like we're in danger of the soup thing happening. So, all right. Data possesses the enviable trait of uh, being able to summon a green screen. So I feel like I feel like we're showing off a little bit too here. Where we're just like, okay, so Data's going to come around the corner. 
see the green screen Picard and Jordy, and then say hey. Is right? It's ooh. Uh, I think that was the green screen scene, given how he cut to it. I think the you could have just done it the other way. Had them here, and then oh, you have to green screen both, wouldn't you? All right, whatever. So, uh, so Picard knows what phones are. I suppose because the icons for making call on the subspace channels is still a telephone, the same way that the save file is still a three and a half inch disc or whatever. Or is it two and a quarter? I can't remember. Oh, oh yeah, shit. Oh yeah, I wanted to mention this. Um, this should be Troy here, not Captain Picard. Fucking Troy should go into the fucking dream state to interpret it. You're like, oh, well then we would need two Troys. Well, then you could just use another fucking green screen, couldn't you? Not like Troy's in this shot, is she? Oh look, Picard's interpreting symbols. You know who could interpret symbols? Deanna Troy. Picard is not allowed to interpret symbols unless they are at least... 1,000 years old, okay? That's not his... Ugh, Worf talking this mouthful. Um, and, like, it's not his bailiwick. It's not his profession. He can't be here just because there's a captain. Look, you can just put a wig on a cake. You wouldn't have to use the green screen. They're never in the same shot with Troy's face. God. It's just, it's just another instance where they're using Picard when they should have used another member of the crew. And it gets more egregious as we go forward. In fact, I'm going to say it. There's a clone of Captain Picard out there called Shinzon. He's like five years old and Romulans are whipping him. It's like, what? Go find Shinzon, Captain Picard. Get out of this episode. Anyway, they're going to answer the phone in Picard. I think Sigmund Freud's going to kill him. So I don't get this at all. Sigmund Freud's like, oh, get, get Captain Picard. And Ford's like, this, kill them. I'm like, that's clearly a message intended for Data. I'm sorry, Ford, are you too good to tell Jordy to fucking kill them? It's the same difference, man. Makes no difference to us at all. He's Sigmund Freud. And now Data's subconscious, which shouldn't know any of this, is going to interpret the dream. Sigmund Freud used for exposition is at least better than Sigmund Freud being used for psychology. Uh, you know, at least Sigmund Freud knows everything Data knows. No, no. Freud doesn't know how to kill them. Freud doesn't know how to kill the interphasic organisms because Data doesn't. He doesn't... He Suddenly he just knows things. Like, no, you can't just... You might accept at a surface level that Freud knows it because he's a mysterious authority figure who's part of what seems to be happening, but he's not. He's just part of Data's dream consciousness. Whatever. So. You're going to start giving us more clues of what's going on here. Jordy's like, wow, I, there are plasma conduits all over this goddamn ship, but I recognize this plasma conduit. Again, Sledgehammer guy's stuck with the hardest acting work in this bit. Just, I mean, I, I can only suppose that it's very hard to sell sledgehammering. So, and I know the plasma conduits going to the warp core are probably the biggest and most distinctive plasma conduits on the ship. I get that. What I'm also saying is that I don't know why these aliens are, uh, are trying to destroy the plasma conduit. It doesn't matter to them at all. Like, that's just where they hung out. 
that's just their vector. It's not anywhere special to them at all. They're just hanging out in there, distinctly not drinking its cellular peptides. So why they're in there at all, I have no reason. Unless they can also feed on the cellular peptides of plasma. I'm a little weird on that one. The notion that Data couldn't solve this because he's too polite to irritate people trying to kill him does, does square with the character, I think, even in a dream. So... But now we've done it. We've figured out the magic pulse that's going to murder everybody. Those years at Juilliard were worth it, you three dudes. You nailed it. You nailed the overcome by sound. Your dreams are just random-ass bullshit. They don't actually contain valuable data. Unless, of course, your unconscious can detect interphasic organisms which have infested your locality. If your subconscious can detect interphasic organisms which have infected your locality, then yes, there may be some wisdom that can be learned from your dreams. Otherwise, it's all Sigmund Freud hooey. Maybe it can be a pretext that will force you to actually discuss issues that they're built on in your brain, in your brain type place. But I don't, I don't know. That seems like that'd be pretty rare. Maybe it could be a pretext to grapple with your ongoing issues if you're having nightmares every night, but frequently. So anyway, Jordy can also, not Jordy, Data can also emit from his brain an interphasic, positronic, ultrasonic, megasonic goddamn pulse that will just clean up everything in the ship, man. We got, we got two minutes left in this fucking episode. Let Data emit a pulse to kill everything on the ship. That's fine. Speaking of actors who trained for a long-ass time to get underwhelming roles, let's cut back to... There we go. Not this guy. Trained his whole life for this scene. And now, he dies. Gates McFadden, put a flashlight on your arm and go, They're dying, Captain. It's working, Captain. Yeah, I'd, I'd phone that one in too, ma'am. I'd phone that one in too. <sighs> Captain's Law, everything fixed. And it fixed the warp drive too. Hooray! Episode over. Oh, we gotta go. Thanatos 7. Doesn't Thanatos mean death? Wow, the death planet. So they didn't test this fucking thing before they shipped it to you? You could have manufactured your own conduit? Why'd you get the one from the death planet? Why did you get the conduit from the death planet? If you could have just made... Was it a package? Or they like, look, man... We can get a whole warp core, like three ninety nine. If we get the warp core with the assembly kit, four nineteen. It's 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 thirty bucks more, and it's just as good. I'm like fine, we probably need to replace all of our assembly kit pieces, like the plasma conduits as well. So I mean, we might as well just replace everything while we're in there. We could just manufacture a new one while the warp core is getting shipped to us through Amazon. You know, we'll have time. I mean, they're probably just going to drop it off on our moon. You know, the guys are going to come by in his Amazon ship, throw it out the back of the door and be like, ah, it's big and round. That's probably the planet where we're making starships at. And it'll be the moon. And it's going to be like a week. And we're going to call Amazon. And Amazon's going to be like, it got delivered. And we're like, oh, check the moon. And then that's where we're going to find our plasma conduit and warp core at. So. Note to Counselor Troy, everything is behind us, but yeah, you definitely give that guy the dullest knife you can find for a while. What would, 
would, would not Steinbeck. Jeez, both equally contemptible. What would Freud say about the symbolism of eating eating yourself in a cake? He'd say that's gay, and then we would say let's just ignore Freud. So that's it. It's phantasms. It's over.